Hello, hello. Hey, Cyril, you've gone all tidy on your hair. I grew my hair specially. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so sorry. I've been squeezing for three days now, trying to get the wild hair that you had last time I saw you. Yes, that's right. Well, I'll let it grow again, just for you. Uh, thank you. I feel better now. I, just, I feel alone for a moment there. Hi, I'm Cyril, your host, and welcome to my podcast that I called I Really Want to Do This. In this podcast, I interview guests from all walks of life and try to understand the various ways that different types of people with different backgrounds and experiences succeed in achieving their goals in their very own ways. Think of the past 10 years in your own life. Have you had a personal goal, an objective? Maybe you call it a dream of doing this one thing. You really want to do that one thing, whatever it may be, but for some reason, you never succeeded in making it actually happen. Well, by showcasing successful achievers and asking them how they did it, I sincerely hope that this podcast will give you some ideas and maybe answers on where to start, how to proceed, in order to actually do that one thing that you really want to do. Hi everyone, this is Cyril, your host. And today we have uh, Ivan with us. I'm so happy, so happy, looking forward to talking to Ivan. How are you doing today? Uh, really well, Cyril. It's been, uh, since you asked me to do this, it's, it's uh, a strange thing. You think, oh, do I, want, do I want to do it? Don't I want to do it? And I explained to you, yeah, maybe I've got a, a few flaws. <laughs> but it's quite stressful, I think, doing this. And I love that little bit of that frisson of stress. Yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, stress either brings out the best or the worst in you. So it could go either way from here. I can, we can hear you have a little accent. In fact, I should have started by, how do you do? Uh, you know, being French, we learned the British English and we learned how do you do? And listen, little story to start with. I was 18. I did an exchange student program in Arkansas. So I moved to the US and I come and I say to people, how do you do? <laughs> and, then, and then they asked me, how you doing? And I was like, how you doing? How you doing what? <laughs> That's how I started. So should I say, how do you do? <laughs> well, thank you. And you? Uh, doing uh, uh, brilliant. <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Very pleased to hear that. Okay, so where are you now? You're, are you in your homeland? Yeah, I'm at home now. And actually, I live about literally five minutes from where I was born. Really? I'm just literally the, the hospital I was born in is just down the road. So yeah, I, I haven't got far in my life. I've I've made it about five miles tops. <laughs> well, I bet that uh, you've been places and you came back. And tell me where all the places you've been. And uh, you, you, you preempted this. You gave me some questions on paper. I don't know if they'll, you'll stick to that path or not. <laughs> but I looked at that question and where have you been? And I think, wow, I've been to a lot of places, actually. <laughs> then I realized I haven't seen many places because largely I travel with competition. And you see the venue and you, yeah. you're not free to travel. 
but uh, I have had a bit of time here and there. So the, the places, the best places I've been actually turn out to be the places with the best people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and it's the people that I grab to. It doesn't matter where I go, yeah. if the people are, are great. So I love South Africa. You yeah. probably see in the background on the screen, I've got a load of, sort of South African culture around in the house. Yeah. And, and I, now I've noticed I've got an Africa T-shirt on as well, which is quite charming. <laughs> but, uh, and, and that's because we spent a lot of time there training in the early days and mm. just met some absolutely phenomenal people. Mm. And then I would say the same about Hungary, again, because of the people. Um, Brazil was kind of special. Yeah. Again, because of the energy of the place, though, right? Oh, yes. I love it. Fantastic people again and the, the energy and, and the joy they have despite the fact that they've got very little, most of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's one common feature of travel that I've learned, Cyril, is that actually the less people have, the more they sing and the more they dance, mm-hmm. the more they laugh. And oh, wow, yes. The richer people get, the less they laugh, the less they dance and the less they sing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's... What, what, I, I would I, think that it's also your energy because you could go to Canada where it's cold and you would probably have an amazing time with people because that's how you come to connect with people don't you think yeah i don't know yeah i think often people's perceptions of you clash sometimes with how you feel about yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't see myself as a particularly social person Mm -hmm. when i get to know people then i'm really comfortable with them and i'm yeah i'm i'd like to think that i'm reasonably entertaining company but yeah it takes me time to get to know people and, and get get that ice broken but yeah i mean once you start talking to people everywhere is a good place mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how bleak the the outlook is people mm-hmm. are great and i think it's a difference between uh, traveling and t- being a tourist if you're a traveler you go to a country and you're looking for that connection a tourist will go and see okay Okay, so when I did my trip around the world when I was 25, uh, we'd go and we had this Lonely Planet book, you know, and we arrive, okay, you're in this uh, Bolivia, you have to go to see this uh, cathedral, you have to see the Plaza de Armas, you have to see this mountain, yeah. whatever. you do. If you're a tourist, you go and you do this. Yeah. If you're a traveler, you go for other reasons. And after, after a while, what I would do is toss my guide, sit down and wait for a connection with people. And once that old lady would come and say hi, Then I would ask five things. Hey, what's the one thing I have to eat here? What one thing I have to see? One thing I have to drink? One part you would I cannot go. And that's that's it. That was my trip. I think a lot a lot of travel now, in a way, has been spoiled for us by things like the internet and just communication generally. You know, I can I can go to I know Yosemite, which is an impressive place. But you know what? I've seen it a thousand times before before I ever yeah. get there. And I've seen it in the very best light from the very best angle with the very best sunset in the background. Yeah, I've seen everywhere better than it is in real life. So very few places that you go to can, can live up to the expectation. So often accompanied with that tourist trip is disappointing. Yeah. And that's, uh, sorry, my phone's ringing, just turn that off. Yeah, but there are places that you really connect with. And you know, for me, The, the, again, I, I'm going back to South Africa, but one of my best friends 
owns a, a house in the bush in South Africa. And yeah. when yeah. you go there, then, you know, as well as having the connection with the people, I find you have a connection with the place then. And, and when you're in a place like that, where you literally can have a lion on your doorstep, I think you feel your place in the world. You, you lose that self, sense of self-importance and how important you are as a person. Yeah. And you actually become just part of the bigger picture. You're not free to go out at night and go for a wander around. You're pretty vulnerable. You, you, you get your sense of, of place in the world again. And, and I, think, you know, I imagine that's pretty much the same once you're about 10 miles off the coast of uh, San Francisco as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like quite, quite how uh, in, in, inconsequential you are. Yes. So you're only part of the big picture. You're not the big picture. And yeah. I think a lot yeah. of us tend to think we're the big picture. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, I agree. I, I love people. I'm an extrovert. So uh, when I look back at all the pictures that I take from the different countries, I could take pictures of, of mountain, even the beautiful sunrise. But the ones that touch me back is the people. Again, it's you'll remember the picture of the beautiful cathedral, but that night you'll have sharing a, a prosecco or a cava, or, you know, having smiles and hugs with people. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a complete numpty on the photo front, Cyril. I always take the picture of the cathedral and the view <laughs> and, and all those things, and I get home and I've got a hundred better pictures in my tourist. <laughs> tourist you'll look them back. Yeah. <laughs> Why did it? Why did I take picture of that? I can look at that anytime I, I want. I did, and I should have taken the photos that you've taken of the group of us that stayed up too late and talked mm -hmm. rubbish around the fire and I, you know, all those things. And and I, I never do that. I literally never do that. So yeah, we've 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 crossed paths a big event out in the states there. And what I love is the Facebook afterwards when all the sensible people. I've taken photos of all those moments and I can gather those moments back in. Yeah, yeah. And I've taken a picture of the mountain in the background and I just think, what, what is wrong with me? <laughs> well, because you're so much in the moment that you enjoy people, I'm sure. Let's go back to, to England and where you were raised. Uh, this idea is just to get to know you better and tell me about your family environment, uh, childhood and, and siblings and yeah, so mum and dad, they're still alive and they live pretty locally still, 10 miles away maybe. Mm -hmm. um, both working parents, nine to five working and then both volunteer parents mm -hmm. who then did five till eight volunteering at the local canoe club. So they were kind of around, but not around. If we wanted to spend time with them, then you had to either go to work with them or go to the canoe club with them. And that was how it, how it worked. We were both, my, I've got a sister, an older sister. We were both very much loved, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't an emotional household. Um, but, you know, we were, we were well looked after. It's, our parents, I guess, had expectations of us in terms of the contribution we would make. We were expected to help out. My sister slightly more than me. She did a lot more work around the place than I did. And there were expectations on behavior as well. So my dad, my dad's an engineer mm -hmm. and everything's a bit precision with him. So I, I guess I grew up 
Yeah, basically, I grew up thinking I was retarded because I couldn't cut bread straight. So <laughs> I, if, you, if you couldn't cut <laughs> absolutely 90 degrees with slices exactly the same width, then uh, yeah, what is wrong with you? you know? So that, that, it's kind of a, a perfectionist background in that respect. He was also my coach in my sport yeah. uh, and took a very different approach to that. I don't know, you know whether we'll get into that or not. That's a long story. Very much a realist, didn't have any, so he wasn't emotionally involved ever. He, he's very, yeah, with hindsight, I, I guess you could probably put him somewhere on the spectrum. And you just, yeah, I didn't know that as a kid. So yeah, and then my mum thought I could do no wrong, which was fantastic. <laughs> that got me out of a lot of the jobs and my sister had a lot more work than I did. So my sister, like I say, a year and a year and a half older than me um i look up to her then i still do now she's kind of my boss at work now we work together um she's very capable woman mm-hmm. can do things that i just have i'm useless at and yeah. so just her level of ability to deal with stuff is just huge and mm-hmm. uh, that's where i fall down very organized so so yeah i mean school I was, I was well behaved at home. Discipline was expected at home. So my, my breakout area, I guess, was school. I was difficult, yeah. I, I guess you could say. So I was, I was encouraged to move from one school to another at one stage in my education. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was great because I ended up at a school. Uh, sort of out, I came out of the state system and into the private system at that stage because uh, long story just because okay you, you just yeah. have to accept that <laughs> so um, but at the private school the discipline there was i would describe it as heavy duty and that really suited me so you had better boundaries to work with i was still always in trouble but it was it was fine and uh mm. i always struggle a little bit with authority and being told what to do Yep. without a reason yeah so that's that's followed me through life it's it's been a burden and a blessing i think yeah i think uh, i don't so, do something just because somebody says i need a reason yes and and you, you need your own reason yeah i need to believe in the reason yeah yeah and it, it, you know i don't walk on the grass sign is a nightmare for me because I would never have thought walking on the grass is a perfectly good path. But now you've told me I can't, you know what? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going in there. And, and you think, I, I, don't, I don't need this in my life. But, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I like that little bit. Of, uh, okay, so let, let's go to your, back to your parents again. I think it's really interesting. I think they, they're very similar, I, I guess, to my grandparents. Uh, very, you know, they were coming out of the Second World War and discipline and values and hard work and uh we're there that's how they were and a very paternal oriented family where where the father was the money maker and and not that uh emotional with the kids in, in fact not very much involved at all like they would like my dad i don't think was a son of of his parents so he was born in 1950 i don't think he ever changed a diaper of his five kids you know, it was like mom was doing everything. And now tell me, um, some people have a hard time to say they, they love each other. Uh, 
Did your dad ever tell you, I love you? Never. I would say never. I can't, even to this day, I can't ever remember a time when he, when he said the words. Yeah. So, so my nieces and nephews really taunt him over that. Yeah. So they're quite. They're, my sister and them, and me and my kids. We, yeah. I do. I do love them. So I tell them. Yeah. So, so when my nieces and nephews meet my dad, they call him granddad, and uh, they say they go right up to him and say, "Love you, granddad." Yeah. And then there's this awkward tension and oh, silence. Yes. And, and sometimes they'll give him a hug and tell him, "Love you, granddad," and they're just squeezing it out of him, but still doesn't come out it still can't come out funny, yeah. it's so funny because he does he loves you know, of course we, we know talks about them and and when he talks about a look you know all the kids and and us yeah he does there's no doubt that he does but it's you just can't verbalize it yeah that we have a french saying that it is it goes without saying but it yeah. it goes better if you say it yeah yeah so okay now do you tell him I love no, you. no, because he, my kids could, and my nieces and nephews could. I could, obviously. Yeah. I just think it would be so difficult for him that I wouldn't want to put him through that. Why would it be difficult to, to, to receive love? Or like if it's, okay, let me tell you the story. I was 18 and my parents are a bit the same. I don't think I ever told, my mom told me I, I love you. Je t'aime, je t'aime, like so many times. But my dad was the other generation. In fact, both were using the respectful form in French is vous to their parents. And my grandparents, I would tell them too, you know, the, the, the familiar. Yeah. And they were like, how can you say too to my parents? You know, it's like different generations. But, and then I was 18, I, li I lived in Arkansas. And, and there my host family were telling me, I love you. I said, why do you tell me I love, I love you? We've been here for two weeks. And then I found the freedom of saying, I love you. And me saying it. And I started to come back to France and tell them I love you. Right. And to, to my brothers and to my sisters, I tell them. And at first it was really awkward. But then it's just freeing, you know. Right. Maybe I'll try it. <laughs> I'll, I'll run with your advice. You, know, <laughs> you have these conversations. And uh, yeah, I'll give it a go. Well, let's try. Let's try. Why not? <laughs> anyway. I do. I love him. He's... And he's just a constant in my life the whole time. And, and yeah, we've, we've, we've got to know each other more in the last 10 years because he, he does my road trips with me when I go, you know, driving through Europe and stuff with, the, with events. And, and he, he's always the, my go-to person. Him and my sister are my go-to people. And, yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, I'm going to do that, Cyril. Thank you. Good, good, good. Tell me, do you have a, a, a motto or do you have a, a maybe a, <laughs> some quotes that you like? And um, don't like quotes. I find them overquoted. They're, they're too heavily used by too many people. So I, I looked at that question and I thought, do, do I have a motto? And it turned out I did. So. Um. I, used, I, I was given my motto by my dad, Ghazali. So he, he said it to me. We were just about to push off the dock at a big race, at the World Championship, the first one we won. We were just about to push off the dock, and he came down to the dock with us, and he said it. 
And I, at the time, I thought, what? what? Why, why would you say that? And what did you say? <laughs> his words were, it was, it's fairly simple. He said, don't fuck it up. And, and I thought, you know, I hadn't even considered fucking it up at that stage. I was, I, I was kind of hoping it would go well, you know? Yeah. So, so I, it clashed with where I was and he said it. And then since then I've thought about it and I, and I think it applies to all of us. I think we all have in us, we're all born, you know, we talk about personality traits. We talk about different types of, of attitudes. Things. I think we're all born with everything that we need. And all we do, we suppress the bits. We suppress some of it. We exaggerate some of it. We muck up what was already perfect in the first place. Yeah. Everyone has the tools to go and do exactly what you're preaching here, Cyril. We all have the tools to go and do it. What we do is we sabotage those tools. We fuck it up mm-hmm. deliberately sometimes, willfully sometimes, because we're scared other times. But we've got everything we need. We were given everything we need on day one. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you know, I'm in a, a situation where you think, right, should I, shouldn't I? Just think, you know, don't fuck it up. Don't yeah. overthink it. Don't, don't think yourself into paralysis where yes. you can't do anything. And that's, that, I think, is what most people do. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's really interesting. I've listened to a few of your podcasts, and, and you've talked to people who've done something big, and you, you're, you've done big stuff. You know, leaving San Francisco mm-hmm. is the biggest part of that journey, mm-hmm. I think. You know, getting to that point where you actually go through that gate and off you go. That's the biggest part. That's, the decisions are all made. And after that, events take, can take over. But all of the talks you've had, and including this one with me, they're all given post-achievement. So the achievement's been that. You, you, you've seen mm-hmm. in these people something good. And we all talk with the benefit of hindsight. Now, actually, what none of us ever know is whether we reach that goal because of what we did or despite what we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one knows that. Yeah. There are different ways to the goals. So what people looking from the outside do, when they see someone successful, they want to know how they did it. Yeah. Now, I, I was thinking about this, and, and I, I realized, yeah, even in small ways, people do this. So my in-laws live in Berkeley in, on the West Coast. In, and Berkeley's laid out in a grid system. Yeah. Roads run north, south, east, west. It's, it's really straightforward. And we decide, we, no, we need to go to the bakers. And we stand in this house with my in-laws and we have this crazy discussion about whether we're going to go along two, down two, and along two, or down two, along one, down one, and along one. And, and you think, right, <laughs> why are we having this discussion? Ultimately, all we need to know is where the bakers is. How we get there is irrelevant. Yes. We will end up at the bakers if we set out on the journey and if we know where the destination is. Yeah. There isn't a right way, so why are we talking about it? Yep. And you know what? If you go down the wrong way, if you like, in, with, in inverted commas, you go the wrong way and there's roadworks, it doesn't matter, Cyril. You wait in the queue, you go around the roadworks, you arrive at the baker's 10 minutes later. 
-hmm. You're still at the baker's. Yeah. So, so people, I think so many people get tied up with this idea that there's a right way of doing things that they think themselves out of it because you can never find that right way. You just yeah. have your way. And I think that's really crucial. I think people tend to look at people who've been successful as being special. Yes. And the one thing I know for certain in my little experience of being the, the, the one that other people saw as the achiever, the one thing I know about myself for sure is that I'm not special. Mm -hmm. Just the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a case of setting out and doing it. That's the key, I think. Uh, let's go back to your don't fuck it up. <laughs> I, f I love it. I think it's good, but I think it's, uh, it, it's a negative. Don't. Yeah. And it puts a little pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Could, you re could you rephrase it in a way that would be encouraging, but only positive? Like, just do it, or you can do it, or you're ready, or something like this, that would have the same weight, or do you think the negative just is what you needed to hear at the moment? Uh, that fitted with my dad and his, his attitude generally. So it really it resonates with me because it's come from him. And so, so that fits for me. Yes. The, the message it gives works for me. And so, yeah, in, in, in essence, it's my, my motto. So I don't, I don't feel the negativity. Yes. So all, all of my dad's coaching when he was coaching me was all negative. So he'd always pick the, the problems and the faults. He would highlight the problems, highlight the faults, highlight what went wrong. Yeah. And you, you if you... That's so how you progress, yes. Is that you solve those problems and yeah. then you get better. On so a I, very demanding way though, right? I, it was the only way I, I knew. Yeah. So it was the only experience I had. So it didn't strike me as being negative until other, other people started pointing that out to me. But I never saw it as negative. I just thought... Right. Okay. If I solve, if I can solve the problem he's just shown me, I will be better. I was grateful for having the problems highlighted. Yeah. No, it's little stories. Americans have a culture of non being rough like this. They always start with the positive when before yeah. they tell you some negative. I remember when I started our rigor paddler. The first day they put me in the seat, and. In French, we're pretty straight. Like, hey, your stroke is not in time with the other. Just get, it get in time, right? Yeah. Together. Or you just say, what's wrong? The American's like, well, your form is really good. Your timing is, is great, but you could do a little bit better. Come on, just tell me what's wrong. <laughs> don't give me that sugar coating. I don't need it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the flip side of that, if you like, is my little boy plays baseball. Yes, tell me about your kids. How are, how's your view wisdom? Yeah. Um, I've got I've got two kids. One's 16. She's her back. Her sport is gymnastics, and you know that's fantastic. She's her personality is sort of towards mine and my dad's. She kind of fits in that line. And then my little boy is 14. He plays baseball, which is a bit odd in England, and there's not a lot of baseball here, but he loves it. And He, he's sort of more towards the personality type from my wife's side of the family. Okay. At the moment. But that's all changeable. But yeah, they're, they're great kids. And yeah, they're. So, what's your teaching uh, perspective on them? 
are you as demanding as your dad or you're like <laughs> well because there's value of of uh yeah. that I, discipline right i treat them both very differently hmm. my my daughter can take the beatings if you like of of hmm. negativity and i can take i can joke at her expense i can laugh at her she responds in kind and she's very robust in that way in the same way that I would be and I would expect my mates to be but my little boy you, you treat him slightly differently to that because you know that if you went down that route it would be perceived much more negatively mm. so we, we 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 discuss that and obviously my daughter points that out to him on a regular basis in uh, <laughs> in typical <laughs> sisterly fashion yes so yeah he, he is the he, I think and and I coach young kids as well and what I've learned is that you have to coach them in the way that their personality type sees as a as a as a stimulus to change and a stimulus to improvement you can't use your method on everybody yes so that that that's sort of one of the biggest learnings I've had from mm -hmm. coaching kids so yeah it's uh, it, it's good fun but yeah he I started this he, he He's been on a few baseball camps in the States and I go and watch because, you know, if you can't watch your kids do their stuff, there's no point having kids. Yeah. So, so I always go and watch when I can. And uh, I look at the coaching there and it's so different to, to my experience of coaching. And some of it is incredibly good, mm. way better than, than coaching we have in England. And mm. I've, I've taken a lot of what I've learned from those camps back to the kids that I work with. And yeah, it's, they, they do generate an, a much more positive environment as a whole. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Mm. Well, each, each culture has their pros and cons, eh? for sure. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that the self-esteem that comes with positive reinforcement is great. Yeah. Uh, but too much could be too much. And having a medal because you're number 10 out of 12 is, is probably not uh, helping Yeah. And in another way, saying that you could have been first when you were second and it's not good enough, you know, is also negative. I think it's a balance. And, and the good coaches will find that balance. Yeah. Right? And the yeah. good parents as well. Uh, yeah, they're few and far between. Yeah. Thank you. This is the first part of the podcast. It was really interesting to get to know you. And the reason I'm, I'm taking time to, to get to know the guest is because I think it forms a lot on how they make decisions and on how they achieve their goals. And no matter what the goal is, there's a, some patterns that come back and they, they're ingrained in the personality and the culture. So that's why I want to do this. Now, in the second part of the podcast, uh, I've asked you to think if you had a, that gut feeling at some point in your life of that, I really want to do this. Like it came from inside a real... I have it all the time, but well, everybody's different. Did you have a moment like this you could recall or was it more along years and years or? More, I think for me, I think one of my personality traits have a really short span of attention. Mm. So to think of something far in the future is really difficult for me. Mm. So to, to have a goal that, you know, say, you know, when you're 12 years old to, to, to be a, an astronaut or something, I, I wouldn't be able to hold the focus for long enough. So I'm pretty much a week-to-week mm -hmm. -week type person. And 
although I had the image, I, I guess my trigger for where I eventually went to was my uncle, who was an Olympian. He, he went to three Olympic Games. I kind of... In kayaking? Or... Yeah, yeah. Yep. And he, my whole family was involved in kayaking. They, they still aren't. And I, I guess as a kid, he went to Tokyo, Mexico, Munich. So Tokyo was 64, 68, 72. I was born in 66. So mm. I've got little trinkets brought to me from that, from, not from Tokyo, because that was before I was born, but the other two. So I had little trinkets in my room that were from Mexico and Munich. And they really sort of embedded in me somehow. Mm. That I, I wanted to do that. So that was kind of my background thing. But I didn't set off on that route to start with. I did loads of sports and I kind of reasonably good at whatever I did, not special in anything. Mm. But with the kayaking, what, what came to me was that, not came to me, what became apparent to me was that actually sometimes I could do something that I didn't think I was capable of. Mm. And that was magic to me. Mm. I just wow. That's that's a feeling that I love. You know, you, you you you're you're 12 years old and you I love it. And I think that's that's the feeling I like. I love that sense of achievement when you've got something that's just out of reach mm. and you not only reach it but you overreach it. And to go through from, from week to week like that, you know, competing at weekends or or just going out and playing in my boat and just feeling the magic of, of that movement was the reward enough. And I, I loved it and I still love it now. And I think that to, to love something like that, there's, there's your peace right there. Yeah. And you, you get that feeling of peace because you're doing the, the right thing. You're doing your thing for your reasons. And I think the reasons are the best thing. They have to be yours. And if you're doing something you love for your reasons, you can't fail because it doesn't actually matter whether you end up winning the ultimate race. The journey is key. And I think one of the things that I learned by I was one of the very fortunate people who did reach my end goal mm. or what I thought was my end goal. Mm. And when you get there, it's like a massive anticlimax, really. And what you realize is that the goal was never the big deal. The big deal was the journey and how you got there. And that's, that's the bit that really that I enjoyed. And if your journey is good, it doesn't really matter where you end up because you all have enjoyed that journey. And mm. yeah, that's, that's why I struggle sometimes that yeah, people only look up to what society or what their culture feels are big achievers. And actually everyone, everyone achieves that. You know, for, <clears throat> if I go into a competitive environment for some people getting on the start line is a bigger achievement than the yep. guy who wins. because yep. getting on the start line to overcome all the fears that go with that all the doubts all the self you know loathing all the all the insecurities just to be on that line you are just your your sense of achievement is just as high as the guy that wins and Mm -hmm. so everyone's kind of equal you've all got the opportunity to have that big win the big win itself doesn't have to be a headline is is how i feel about it mm -hmm. 
I love you, how you you put it. I, ne- I never saw it, but I can see it in my my thoughts as well. That once you reach that goal, that you didn't think you could do it, but you, the feeling is so good, and then you can go for another goal. It could be the same intensity, same or a little bit harder, or or less, or do the same, and then putting up the work to get to that point actually has a lot more meaning because you remember that you could feel that feeling again. So going to yeah. the gym, working out, he's got, that's what you're looking for. Oh, I never thought about it that way. I always thought it was just like, how would it feel to feel that end goal being the motivation, but it's having lived it and trying to live it again. Mm. And it's true for everything, right? If you want, I always say, if you want to start photographing butterflies uh, yeah. and you think you can't, take any pictures well take pictures and share them online and people will have a feedback to you this is beautiful and then you thought you thought you could do it and then you go back yeah. at it and do it. Mm. you've got yeah i i think yeah the worthiness of the goal is another thing that freezes people it's another thing that paralyzes people some goals just feel too out of reach for people and mm. and they are not everyone can be the first guy on the moon. There's only one guy can be the first guy on the moon. So you know, I can't be that anymore. So I can't set out to do that. But you, everyone has their own little goals. And I think, well, I've said it there, I've referred to them as little goals. They're not little goals. To, for, you know, to go and ask out the best looking girl in the class. Mm-hmm. How many people don't do that because they're petrified? They yeah. Deep down, they want to do it. To go and actually speak to her is another world for, for a lot of yeah. people. For me, that would have been yeah. the most terrifying thing in the world at the age when I should have been doing that. Yeah. Then you learn that, you know, you, you can start to speak to people. You can start to feel confident speaking to people. You can start to, to experience what it's like to, to go outside of your comfort zone and to, and to achieve that. And then then things open up for you and it's like a, a cascade of events. And in the end, you can do whatever you want. There, yes. there, there isn't anything to stop you. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you know, our, you know, we've got the Olympics going on now. And I think we're really guilty of it here in the UK. Medals are great. Everything else is failure. Yeah. Well, mate, if you could be the fourth best in the world, world take that i'd take that yeah i'm an osteopath by trade if i could be the fourth best one in the world well Mm -hmm. i'd be more than happy with that Mm -hmm. but culture and and the and society start to be taught what to value and because we're only taught to value the big successes we ignore our own successes and we don't we don't value our own successes and Mm -hmm. i think that paralyzes people Yeah, I agree. And and sometimes our our successes are a stepping stone for somebody else's success. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of, of Greg, who came on my podcast earlier. He was influenced so much by the coach. She was uh, a bronze medalist. And he right. was inspired by her. And then he finally got, got a gold medal. And maybe her journey was to inspire other to do even better. He was one of the first in America to have medals and in, in yeah. kayaking. 
maybe his journey it was not just his own but all the people he triggered to follow their own dreams and i love how you can inspire other people without even knowing you're doing it yeah it's yeah. a domino effect and you're, you're no control um but but yeah that that's true of of greg with his olympic medal it's also true of, of the person who comes in the room and lights up the room yeah with their with their presence and you, know, you look at them and you you, you think wow you know Yeah. Something special about that guy. You don't even know what it is, but you can see it in him. Yeah. And you can aspire to be that guy. You know, it, it's, uh, there's so many things that are, are just out of our reach. And if you can get one of those, you can get the next one and the next mm -hmm. one and the next one. And that's, I think that's the magic of it. But yeah, having said that, Cyril, we're all, we're all human and, and we're all vulnerable. And I, I'm currently sat here at a time in my life where I have no idea, no idea where I want to go next, what I want to do. I know that what I'm doing now isn't enough for mm -hmm. me and I'm not inspired. I'm not satisfied with, or, or not, I'm not pleased with myself. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm looking now, I'm actually talking to someone, you know, having a, having a few chats with someone about it because mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I, just, I need a bit of help. Mm -hmm. So all these people that other people's perception of is that they're somehow magical and superhuman and they've reached these big goals. They're not. They just found that goal at that time. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that there's more, another one to come. Mm -hmm. But I do know that if I find one, when I find one, I'll be up and running again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, I think to to believe that you're that those people those people are something different to you is a big mistake we're we're all the same yeah and everyone has something in them mm -hmm. and, and be happy with what you're happy with so if you're happy shoveling shit well shovel shit yeah yeah it doesn't matter yeah that's, that's fine <laughs> yes yeah if, if you're shoveling shit and you're singing and dancing and and you're That's good. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Just because nobody else values it, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yes. I love it. It's it's part of the goals I have for the this podcast is to have people start on the success uh, of following their own intuition, their own feeling. Like you want to start start your guitar just because you like hearing. It doesn't matter like if other people want you to sing for them and you'll never sing at the right. Just do it for yourself, you know? Uh, and once you have this little success and a little success and a little success, then in, in America, we say when uh, shit hits the fan, I'm sure the British will have a better expression for that. <laughs> then you have a little, uh, you know, experience on, on success that you can, uh, you know, manage the roadblocks a little bit better. Really interesting. You brought up the guitar there, Cyril. That's reminded me of something that I, I had a little go at playing the guitar. I was terrible and it didn't last long. And you know, I've never touched the guitar since. And it brings us, it kind of brings this in and it brings in the negative and positive coaching aspect. So years later, I was treating in my, in my clinic, a guitar teacher. And I said, wow, you know, I really wanted to do that. And I was rubbish. So they said, well, why, why did, why do you say you're rubbish? I said, well, I could tell I was rubbish. And 
yeah, it just wasn't right. It wasn't good. It didn't sound good. It didn't give me pleasure to listen to it. And he said, he said, that's, that's rubbish. He said, you, everyone can do it. You just he said your problem, he said, was that when you play the guitar, you play some good notes and you play some bad notes or chords, good chords, you play some bad chords. So you have a mentality, he said to me, of only hearing the bad chords, which is how I grew up in my coaching, in my canoe. I only had the bad stuff pointed out. Yeah. So I was only aware of the bad chords. He said there are other people who have a different outlook who are only aware of the good one that they played. Yeah. And they start hunting the good one. Yeah. So you both start with the same number of good and bad chords. But because of the way you, you, you're critical of yourself, yeah. you go this way and they go the other way. Yeah. But you're both equally bad to start with or equally good. It goes back to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast where we have everything. And uh, then it's the things we tell ourselves that make it screw it yeah. up. Now. Yeah. It makes me think of a kid's view of life. Like you put a, a paper and a crayon in front of a kid, he's going to draw. He doesn't care if it looks good or bad. He's just going to do it, right? And then you're inversing him that, it, yeah, it's great. At some point, he's going to have to say, well, this actually doesn't look like a bear. It looks more like a, like a pelican or whatever. And they, they limit themselves to their own thing. That's what adulthood does, does it? Hmm? I, I think that's when you trade. Your own um, sort of intrinsic view of success, re replace it with an extrinsic. Suddenly you start drawing that bear and you expect someone else to recognize that it's a bear. That's a yeah. good bear. Yeah. Whereas when you first pick up a crayon when you're a kid, you just see the bear that you've drawn because actually that's, that's what you're choosing to see. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you draw, you still, you still see a bear. And only when somebody points out to you that, that doesn't look like a bear, you start to feel insecure about it. So yeah. and that's, that's true of, of, of all life. Once you start valuing the ex extrinsic praise rather than the intrinsic praise, which you give yourself, then you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, when I think that's one of the biggest issues with social media is people, you know, post a photo of themselves in the hope that somebody tells them they look Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't, oh, then the shit hits the fan. So you, shit, I, I don't look fantastic. What do I do now? Do I have to you yeah. know, get my lips done? Do I have to you know, do a bit of Photoshop? And, and so it goes on. So I think, yeah, you have to learn to value what makes or, you. Or you call your mom and she tells you you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's always that. <laughs> There was that to fall back on. There was uh, that was another thing. Yeah, no, yeah, it's really funny you should say it because I decided before I went to see this lady about you know, a current sort of malaise, if you like, and she's doing, she's great to talk to. I love talking to her. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to share this problem that I've got with my mum mm -hmm. because we don't share stuff. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to her house and I'm going to tell her I'm currently experiencing this sort of malaise and these feelings. And, and I went to tell her and I told her and I thought, yep, I've done that. And she just denied that I had any of those problems. <laughs> you don't have any of those problems. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, everything's good. You're good. You're great. And, uh, 
you really didn't listen to a word that I said. You're, 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 yeah, I want to hold the conversation with you. But she couldn't accept that I, I was currently off the boil and yeah. that I was something less than she wanted me to be. Oh, I could keep on this conversation forever. I'm having so much fun, but uh, I want to be respectful of your time. You have, you have a, a life. So let's go to the conclusion side. I've got three things I'm going to ask you. Uh, the first one is, if you had a conclusion to our listeners, the one takeaway only thing, one thing they should remember. What advice would you say to them? Or it could be also what, an advice that you would tell yourself when you were 15 or 20. I would say don't undervalue your own goal, however small that is. Mm -hmm. A goal is a goal. Don't be paralyzed by looking up to other people. Don't look up to people. Look up to some, some traits that they have, but never put people on a pedestal. They're just people. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I love it. Yeah. The reveal of the song. I really believe in the power of music. I've been traveling to many countries, uh, and sometimes I listen to country from Brazil. Like you said, it's like it's got its energy. I love the fado from Portugal or the songs from Corsica. And I always have this song that I, I know I turn it on and I'm feeling so good. And I'm asking you before the podcast to listen to it because I believe that the energy is, is passed on. What is your song? So I thought that was a great question when, when you sent me that initial email. I thought that that's brilliant. And actually I cheated a little bit because I do have, I do have songs and I, I came up with three. Okay. Uh, pretty much interchangeable. And I thought at the end of the podcast, I'd kind of go for whichever one fitted our conversation. <laughs> and, but when I was, when I, I thought, right, I'll just play them all. So I just, I had YouTube on YouTube open. So I typed them into YouTube. So, so the one I really resonated because of, if things happen for a reason, you've, you've asked me to do this podcast at a time when I'm actually not, the person you yeah. have interviewed me for. And so you've come along at a time for, and then I, I looked on YouTube and my favorite song, I think is the one I first thought of, which is I can see clearly now. Yes. I love the Jimmy Cliff version. So I'm pretty specific about that. So I typed that in. So I can see clearly now by Jimmy Cliff and the video playing in the background, because they used that song, it turned out I'd forgotten, but they use it in cool runnings. Mm -hmm. which is exactly the sort of scenario that we're talking about. There's guys in Jamaica, like yeah. an impossible goal. They want to do the bobsleigh. Yeah. And actually the whole thing started from adversity with the guy falling over in the sprinting trials. And, and it's about a bunch of guys who set off on a path that they have really no expectation that they can actually achieve. But they did it. They did it as a group. They did it persistently they chose their destination they chose their route they had faith in the route that they chose and they yeah the story is the story yeah. So, yeah i can see clearly now was was the one i chose ah oh, beautiful i love it listen uh ivan 
do you say Ivan or Ivan? Ivan. I should have asked. That was should should have been my first question, but <laughs> uh, you got all along, Cyril. So it's been this and I answered pretty much anything. Um, <laughs> Me too. Cyril, surreal, cereal, <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Uh, where can uh, people follow you or uh, get to to know you? I I would say I'm addicted to your YouTube videos you did about paddling, not only for the technicality, oh, yeah. but I love your humor and the energy that you put on it and your British uh, humor. And when, in fact, I knew you had a sister because at one point you talk about your sister, how she would not agree to something you said. <laughs> Where can people find you? Um, that's about it out there really for me uh, on the YouTube. But you know, I think really the message that I, I put out there to people is, you know, Don't follow me. Follow you, not mm. you. Follow themselves. Do your own thing. You can dip in and dip out of other people's journeys, but to get hooked on to following one person, for me, I think you start to feel that you, you live your experience through their experience. Yeah. And you've, you've got your own experiences to live. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those YouTube videos, the, the, the energy in those was brought on by frustration. Uh -huh. and, and you can turn any negative energy into positive energy which i think is why i've been i enjoyed doing those so much and i think it's why they came across so well because i was really energized for doing those mm. our, our governing body had put out some video of coaching and exercises and stuff and i sat at the table looking at that on youtube and i, I said to my daughter get the camera get the get the effing camera and And literally, between saying, get the camera and filming that first one was less than five minutes. It's totally unscripted. We I just, love it. We just did it because now I'm fired up. I hate incompetence to that extent. I hate people bullshitting. I hate, like, don't, don't bullshit me. Don't bullshit other people. You know, get, let's get something real done and get it done, done well. And, and they were huge fun to do. And I, and I work with my daughter on them. She, I've blown it now. She was my mystery assistant. But you know, to work with your kids like that, and she did the little bit of editing that we did, and just oh, they're an amazing experience. And it was yes. I, I love that people enjoyed those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether they did or not, I enjoyed them. Oh, enjoyed do more, them. please do more. This this is going to be my my go to every week. If you put once a week. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I do. I do plan to do more, and and it's that level of procrastination, and it frustrates me that I haven't done more. Is yeah. what I'm talking about now with with the person I've gone to for a bit of help, and uh, and I feel myself coming out of the hole already. So it might not be too long till we get That's going. That's good. Yes. I'm, well, I'm really grateful to her. listen, yeah. Ivan, I'm here if you need anything, uh, anytime. Okay. And Cyril, yeah. don't refer to your first attempt as your failed attempt. Right. That, it wasn't. It was your first attempt. Yes. No. I, I, I truly believe in this. That you look at the all the other ocean crossing. You know, P, uh, Peter Bray, uh, British, he crossed the North Atlantic. Took it uh, two trials the first time. Also, after yeah. a week, he had an issue on his boat. Scott Donaldson uh, took him three times across the Tasman Sea. There's only been six 
ocean crossing and kayaks. Just the information is not, not out there. You can read as many books as you want, talk to as many people as you want until you put your ass on that boat and go and face the nights and drifting at night and you face the 15 foot seas and the wind. There's no other experience than that. And you just have to learn on the go, you know, so. Yeah. But that, you know, in, to do those things that you've just listed, uh, that's a massive success. That isn't a failure. How many people have done that? How many people have put themselves there and and, and experienced that? It's like, like you say, right. sick. Yeah. It's, it's oh. amazing. You know, amazing. I always thought, how am I going to be after 70 days? I know those 70 days. A friend of mine from Canada, Steve, told me, look, these 70 days, that's two months in your life. Two months it will seem a long time when you do those, but you're 45 years old. You still have another 45 to go. Those two months are going to change the way you see life for the next 45 years. Yeah. That's why they're important. And also he said, um, that's why you need to do that. And don't, don't listen to anybody. And I did only one week. And I tell you my view of my next 45 years through this one week is already changed. My girlfriend came back to, when I came back, you see, you look more adult. <laughs> so, well, finally, <laughs> I've done it. Oh, no. <laughs> that might be a failure, Cyril. You can't. You can't <laughs> oh, well, it's ingrained in my DNA. So I'm, I'm a forever <laughs> Peter Pan. <laughs> oh, Ivan, it was a delight. Uh, it was brilliant. Thank you oh, so much. Okay. Yeah, good on you for getting this going. I think that's amazing. Ivan, I loved it. Thank you oh, so thanks much. Thanks for this, Joe. It's been good. It's been really uplifting. Okay. I love it. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Ivan. Thank so, you. Thank bye. you all for listening. I'm your host, Cyril. And remember, life is an adventure. Live it. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Ivan. It was joy joyful. Uh, it's, it's great fun. I feel I feel good after that. <laughs>